All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF, my podcast. Welcome to all who are listening. Thank you for coming. On the show today, Brian Kiley. This is a comedian that I've known literally since I started doing comedy the first time I did open mics, I think, in college. Brian Kiley was there in Boston. He's been a writer on the Conan O'Brien show since I, about the beginning of the Conan O'Brien show. Uh, he's got a book out now. It's a, a, a novel, uh, The Astounding Misadventures of Rory Collins, and you can get that where you get books. We're talking to him. In a couple minutes, Brian Posehn is going to stop by because he's got a new movie out. We're going to talk to him a bit. I'll tell you about the play in a minute because it was. I've been going to a lot of theater lately. Well, well at least three plays in the last six months, and uh, I, I love it. I, I just uh, th- There's an experience available in a theater, in a, in a play, at a play, if it's good, that is unlike anything else. Like I'm immediately just ripped open just, just by virtue of being in a, in a goddamn theater where people are about to take the stage. There's, a, there's an expectation there. There's an excitement to it. There's, there's risk. There's danger to some degree that actual humans are going to be occupying that space up there and moving through something emotionally. I'm just always blown away. Now, obviously, bad theater experiences are bad. <laughs> And the experience of of that risk and that vulnerability uh, can work against the actual experience that you're supposed to be having if uh, if it ain't working. But I went to see a show, The Humans, by a guy named Stephen Karam, and it was uh, devastating. And this is the interesting thing about theater. I mean, I, I can I can tell you it was a great play, and I can tell you it was bleak in a lot of ways, but uh, incredibly human like bleak in the most human way possible. And it all takes place in one long act, hour and a half or so, at a Thanksgiving dinner. And the stuff that was covered, it was so like raw, just the human relationships that were on that stage were so familiar. The way they were set up and the way that it sort of moved through these conversations, there was a bleakness to it. And this is everyday stuff, really. I, I don't know if I would call it a tragedy because it was all sort of lifted by the fact that that there was a family and there was humanity and there was humility and there was uh, some humor. Like, I don't even know if it's like if it's uplifting, but I get uplifted by weird things. I mean, I, you know, one of I thought that, you know, Shortcuts by Robert Altman was one of the most uplifting films ever made about people. So I thought it was uh, uplifting in in the sort of persistence of these characters and how well-defined they were in all their flaws and 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 sort of what barely sort of held them together was was uh, the humanity of it. I, I don't need, it's hard for me to even explain it. But but it was pretty it was pretty amazing and I and I didn't really know uh, it was dr- directed by Joe Montello. I think that's how you say his name. He's done a lot of stuff. The cast was Reed, Bernie, Jane, Howdy, Shell, Casey Beck, Sarah Steele, Lauren Klein, and Arian Moed. And uh, it was just, it, it was like a, a daughter who was moving in with her boyfriend in New York in Chinatown. It was the sister uh, who was a, a, a gay woman who had recently broken up with her uh, lover, her significant other. It was their parents. And then the grandmother who is who has Alzheimer's and is just sort of, mentally incapacitated throughout the show and it's just sort of the evolution of 
of, of the dialogue around that family, around who they are and their own personal weaknesses and illnesses and, and what they endure. And it's, it, there are funny parts, but it's definitely not a comedy, but it's, it's powerful, man. It's bleak and beautiful. And the ending is completely uh, is, uh, theatrical and, and bizarre. Uh, I recommend it highly. I don't see enough young people when I go to the theater, and I think you should engage. I, I know we've all get, gotten very acclimated to, to, uh, to seeing sketch or, or, or improv. That's the theatrical experience of the new generation. It's like you can go see an improv show. But to see a well-constructed play move through the emotions and the arc of a story certainly in one setting is, is pretty profound. But I, I guess the message I got is that I hang a lot of, of my analysis and, and, and thoughts around the idea that we're all terrified, existentially terrified of dying. And that's why a lot of our behavior is what it is. And that may be true, but I don't know if it is as powerful as the existential fear of living. And I... I, I I, look, I don't want to get all heavy because we've got a fun show here. You know, but I know there's some bad things in the world. There's some bad things in all of us. <laughs> but this, this, this play really sort of handles it well and floats. You know, there, there is a, a, a sort of a, a buoyancy to the, uh, to the pain of this play. It was, it was called The Humans, and it's at, the, uh, it's at the roundabout. So if you're in the New York area, I recommend it. I be, I'm becoming a champion of the theater. So... Brian Posehn, friend of the show, friend of mine, love him. Uh, remember him when he started back in uh, back in San Francisco. He want he's got a new movie coming out. It's exciting for him. He's he's the lead in the movie. It's called Uncle Nick. It's produced by documentary film legend Earl Morris, and you can see it in theaters starting tomorrow, Friday, December fourth. Uh, but right now, let's talk to 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 the very funny uh, Brian Posehn about uh, about his new movie. Uncle Nick, and also about Mr. Show, and about comedy, and about maybe a little bit about his kid. Let, let's see how it goes. Let's make sure I do it right. Brian Posehn. <laughs> That's amazing. It's right, I, right? Yeah, I let you get. I let you do something else for twenty years or so. Posehn. <laughs> yeah, you always did poo, and I never corrected you. What, what's happening now? Outside of this movie, we're about to talk about. What are you doing? I uh, just got off the road. You did for how Literally, many, how many uh, dates? Yesterday I was in D.C. How was Saturday it? Saturday I was in D.C. Arlington Draft House. Always Great. fun. What'd you do? Four shows? Five. Five shows. Yeah. It's nice. So like a movie theater. It's tiered seating. It's great. And great they, crowds. They, they can have a drink. Yes. But it's not a bar per no. se. And the people there are thrilled to have comedy there, yeah, and they're not it's all one jaded. Of the best. It's one of my favorite places to still. Oh, play. that's great. Where else? There's did you a go? handful of places I still like going to. Yeah. I was in uh, another one before that. It was in Denver the week before. An Arlington uh, Draft House. Works. Uh, oh, yeah. The week before that, I was in uh, Denver and. Comedy no, those works. are two great rooms. You must feel yeah. like a fucking rock star right now. Yeah, those are great. <laughs> yeah, you're only as funny as your last shows, and my last shows <laughs> no, are pretty good. Yeah, so. but in Denver, you almost feel like this something wrong. I'm doing so. Yeah, <laughs> I was sick. There's Not a, phoning it in because I don't phone it in when yeah. I'm sick. But like when I wasn't on stage, I was sweating and coughing yeah. and just. Yeah. And then I get on stage and I powered through those sets and you know Killed, I gave right? it a crush. Like, yeah, it's like electric in there. Yeah. You're like you got. I'm not this funny. Let's right. just tone it down a little bit. I don't want to, have to yeah, fuck yeah, this yeah. up just so I feel like I'm at the proper level. Uh, yeah, when I'm in Grand Rapids or wherever else. <laughs> and how's the kid? He's awesome, man. He's a six-year-old little person. Oh, and, really? Uh, 
Yeah, funny little dude. Yeah, I uh, went to his first show this year where I took him to see Weird Al. You did? Uh, yeah. How do you like it? Loved it. Yeah? Is he uh, wearing black concert tees? Uh, sometimes, but you know what? He knows the bands. Like, if you if you went up to him and went, yeah, what ACDC song do you like? He'd tell you. Which you know? one does he like? He likes a bunch of them. <laughs> Old ones? Bon Scott? Uh, uh, yeah, he's kind of all over the place. Um, th- we've done more work on, and now Rush is the latest thing. Why is Rush seeing this amazing resurgence? Well, I've loved Rush my whole life. I'd find. And, and he... I kind of kept it away from him because that's Why? Too, well too much. Well, I, it's a yeah, lot of stuff going like, on. I I I would always play the basics in the car. I started him off. I mean, with the idea of I don't want this kid to like pop music, and so far he doesn't. Right, like, uh, right. So a lot of ACDC, okay, a lot of Black Sabbath, yeah, Zeppelin, yeah, Beatles, yeah, he was born of the Beatles, okay. And, good, those are good choices. And that's kind of it for the beginning on oh, the Ramones okay and then he's got to like the Ramones wife, my wife played the Cars for him a couple of years ago he got go? into the Cars he That's really good. liked that yeah, yeah it's good stuff yeah and so we're keeping a you know a solid base uh huh and then now he knows that daddy likes these other bands almost more he like knows Metallica that Rush Metallica Pantera uh huh so he asked me about those bands and it's awesome <laughs> like he's a little dude but he knows that this is something that daddy so you sat him feels down? a lot of passion for Sat him down with 2112? No, you know what I did is uh, he's into the Peanuts movie, Uh and somebody on the internet took that old Rush song, Xanadu, and did it with the Peanuts uh, from old specials. Oh, you're sneaking it in. And he loved it. Right. And then I'm playing a moving pictures one day, and he goes, it ends, and he goes, Daddy, I kind of want to hear Xanadu. Can you play Xanadu? That's my favorite Rush song. And I'm like, all right, man. <laughs> Without the peanuts. Yeah, I can definitely play Xanadu for you. And he still dug it. Like, he dug it just listening. I have a uh, you know, nice turntable set up in, uh, in our little library. And, yeah. and he and I will do Legos in there. And then it's always records. me playing spinning records while we're building Legos. That's sweet. It's, dude... I couldn't love it more, man. Oh, it's my, my favorite part. And and wait, Metallica? You have... Not that much yet, but he knows yeah. they're around. I mean, if they're if you're in my office, <laughs> if you walk out of my door, there's a picture of James Hetfield flipping everybody off. So right, uh, he it's knows a, about it's, him. It's a lot for me to wrap my head around Metallica. Metallica? Yeah, I, I was just I you know I like him. I had Trujillo in here last week uh-huh. to plug the Jocko movie. He's a great guy. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he's played with Ozzy. He's right, a great right, guy. Right. That Robert, he's a really Trujillo. nice dude. Yeah, you, yeah. you met him? Oh yeah, yeah, sweet guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I love that guy. But like, I don't listen to a lot of Metallica. I almost bought a, a Metallica record today, except they didn't have any. It had a lot of Megadeth, uh-huh. which I I can listen to Megadeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little more technical, uh, yeah. Than uh, Metallica's straight ahead and just more kick ass. Like I can feel the the weight of it for you. Metallica's the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's well, really, it's Rush, Iron Maiden, and Metallica because they all made huge impacts on me when I was a kid. And and uh, how about Iron Maiden? That he must like those covers. Iron Maiden. Oh, oh, the kid. I haven't played much of that. Um, he hears it like we have Sirius on when he's in the van. Yeah, and so the, it'll come on, and Daddy will like turn it up a little. Yeah, and he can read. You know, he's reading now, so okay. he'll read the whole thing and go, "Daddy, this Iron Maiden, Eddie, right?" And yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, Eddie. man, Eddie." <laughs> yeah, man. Is he playing an instrument? Uh, he is. Yeah. Uh, he's playing the piano. Really? And then we got him a little squire. And oh. uh, 
I'm going to get him an amp for Christmas because he's been plugging into my amp just recently uh-huh. and loves it. He, he's he got a band. He calls himself Organic Submarine. Wow. Yeah, and Interesting. Writes, <laughs> he made that up. Not a metal name. No, not at all. <laughs> but I just uh, I just want my kid to be musical. I mean, that was really kind of important to me. Does he have a sense of it? You feel like he is? Absolutely. Yeah. The piano teacher said he had a perfect pitch and uh, my wife can sing and I can't. Wow, it's all working out. It's going good. Yeah. When I'm home, those parts are awesome. I hope to God at 14 he doesn't decide, like, I'm playing football. Yeah, there's so many things. Or Yeah, it's not even football. I don't hate sports, Yeah, but there's other things. Like, I think if he said, Daddy, I like Sublime, I'd be like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Got to move out early. (laughs) Yeah, stuff like that. (laughs) Give me back the guitar. Yeah, or political things, too. If he he went a certain way, that might piss me off a little more. That's going to take longer. A little more than being a jock. I think you know you what I did to you can, rebel? You can, you can negotiate that stuff away. I rebelled against my mom in high school. Yeah. As soon as I was able to vote, I voted for Reagan that year. Why? Just because my mom was such a liberal, and uh, you know, how do you feel yeah, about Sonoma. That? I feel guilty. I mean, I'm telling you because I think it's funny. Yeah, because it was kind of the high school dick of like, and I was yeah. just total metal kid. Yeah, trying to grow my hair. Yeah, and I knew my mom would hate that I voted for Reagan, and so I fucking did. Did you tell her? Absolutely, in her face. Like, came home with the I voted sticker. Like, yeah, you voted for the dude you hate. Suck it. Now, have you told this story before? Is this confession? No, that's new. All right, so this is a confession? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, it's out. You have that way of getting that out of people. (laughs) That's your big one. That's That's a big big, one for me. It is big. But it was like rebelling against her, because against a liberal mom. I get it. She worked for the state. She hated Jerry Brown. She hated, you know. Real lefty. Yeah, so you, still is. And, and you were mad at her. I was. All right. Well, it's, are you okay with her now? Yeah, I love her. Yeah, okay, she's right. awesome. She so how do you want to? How do you want to make up for this mistake? I think you're doing it already. The kid sounds good. You do yeah. good deeds in the world. Sure. <laughs> you're I'll send in her. <laughs> Uh, what do they call the ballots where that where you're not there? The yeah, her absentee. Yeah, I'll send that in for Trump. Well, okay. no, no, that would work. <laughs> that would be make it worse. <laughs> It'd be make it worse. How do I undo it? Yeah, yeah. How do you undo it? <laughs> I, I don't, don't know. know. So Maybe I, come what? clean to her this weekend when she's at my house. Well, she knew that you did. You she does, but I mean, come it's tell her apologize. that I feel bad now. Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. She knows I didn't give a shit about Reagan. Right. <laughs> but know? now, well, but now, like I think a lot of people are like, well, it's kind of your fault, Brian. That, that, <laughs> oh yeah, that he, <laughs> yeah, that he got won. that second term. Yeah, that one, that was that one vote. It was a <laughs> yeah, joke yeah. vote. It yeah. was a fuck you vote. Right. All right. So you're a movie star now. Is that what's happening? No. <laughs> oh come on. I'm trying to build it up. Thanks, man. Uh, You're the the lead. I am. The lead guy in a new Christmas movie. In almost every single scene. Yeah. And uh, holy shit. So if you like that, (laughs) if you like me, and you have an hour and a half, it's called Uncle Uncle Nick. Uncle Nick. How long did how how was the experience for you? How long did it take to shoot? Uh, We banged it out in a couple weeks. Shot it in Pasadena. Two weeks. Uh, Yeah, it was. What was total indie? Uh, not but much that's money. Like total, total. Indie. Yeah, but we shot it in one house and kind of made it look like a couple different houses. But it's really only it. The whole movie takes place in one night. Uh-huh. The whole story is I'm Uncle Nick. Uh, my uh, to this girl, my yeah. brother, who's a total douche. I hate him. What type of douche? Uh, just pretty boy dick, just uh-huh. smug. I took on the family business, which is and worked my ass off. Uh, um, uh, landscaping. Uh huh. And after my dad passed and mm-hmm. my mom passed, mm-hmm. I took over everything. He didn't do anything. He uh, was a, a 
bartender and uh-huh. I, I really look down on him and hate him mm-hmm. and i uh, have all this animosity and it was a lot of fun to play because <laughs> i've i don't have any siblings but it was fun to <laughs> but have you that. have the animosity oh yeah i can be a total <laughs> dick so it was nice to yeah channel that into somebody and uh so he marries paget brewster uh our friend and and uh hot lady and she already has two kids she has a 16 year old son and a 20 year old daughter a 19 year old daughter uh-huh. and i get a crush on the daughter at the wedding and the whole time I'm thinking, your step niece, yeah. Oh, so good. at Christmas I'm going to make this shit happen. I've been talking creepy. to her on Facebook. It's super creepy. It yeah. starts off where <laughs> I don't know if I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, and I love that. Like yeah. reading that, I was yeah. that appealed to me more sure. than anything. That seems honest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So without spoiling much, uh, does it end happily? It does. <laughs> it has a good ending, and it's earned. I feel, and there's funny moments, and there's some shit where you find out what my character's gone through. Yeah, I have this, you know, kind of drunk rant at oh. the table and kind of, uh, you know, holy shit, some sadness about what my character went through, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done to to perform it. Yeah, because I had to cry and I had to uh, bring up some dark stuff. Wow, and, uh, it was a lot of fun though. Really acting, I was. It's yeah, fucking yeah. great, dude. I, t- I did the whole thing. I got a. Um, how'd you get involved? You got I got coach? an acting coach. Yeah? And, yeah. So how'd you get involved with this movie? Well, uh, these guys wrote it together. Uh, this guy, Mike Dembski and Chris Kasich was going to direct it. Mm-hmm. And they were producing it together. It was uh, Dembski's idea. And Chris wanted to direct a movie. And then really early on, they thought of me. And then, you know, Jerry Duggan, my buddy, who I wrote Deadpool with for years. He, you've seen him in the scene. He's not a comedian, but he's been around. Did he write? I, yeah, I know Jerry. Yeah, he's yeah. a writer, right? Yeah, he's yeah, more yeah. a writer. Now he's writing Deadpool on his own. He's uh, a good friend of mine. And he talked to them and, and uh, said that he would produce it with them and try to get me to do it. And just a total posane, like, they sent me the script. I didn't read it for a couple of weeks uh. because I was just like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and he's like, dude, and finally it took him just going, you asshole, they wrote this with you in mind, man. They really it want you. It doesn't happen that often. Yeah, yeah. It never. Yeah. And, the, and dude, do you think I didn't whine like every time one of my friends gets another movie, you know? Here we and go. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Patton's been handed another. I didn't say Patton. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, when Patton did Big Fan, you know, there was a little bit of like, I want a big fan. Oh, sure. Like, you Oscar know? thoughts about Patton. No. <laughs> and then and then this comes up. It's on my computer for me to very easily read. Avoid Took me it. weeks. And it, it finally was Jerry going, you know, Jerry knows how to talk to me. Yeah. He's like, don't be a fucking asshole. Just list, read it. If you don't like it, read a couple pages. It's and weird. get back to me. Do this now. It's weird, that fundamental insecurity thing. Like, you know, because yeah. you want to do something like that, but there's that, your for initial- For the last 10 years, I've right. been waiting for it. <laughs> and then there's that initial instinct. It's like, nah, it's probably not going to, I'm yeah. not going to do it. It's probably going to yeah. suck. And- oh, yeah. And the whole time we were shooting it, I'm like, this is going to blow. <laughs> you know, every, you know. No joy. Yeah. Post saying no joy. Right. Yeah. But it was a great experience. It was. And, and I'm super proud of it. It's nice. The guy was his first movie. Yeah. So everyone's learning. Everyone's very collaborative. Yeah, for sure. Improvising and a then, bit. And uh, then we got to bring some funny people. I was involved in the casting. like So I was the first person cast. And then he was like, who do you see as your sister? And yeah. we talked about that. And we talked about another friend of ours as my sister. Didn't happen. Yeah. And then Missy Pyle came up. It was actually my wife going, what about Missy Pyle? And I'm going, 
oh my god, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. Like tall, she would be the attractive one in the family, obviously. Yeah. But uh, the brother, the guy playing my brother, already is more attractive. So Who's I'm, that the, guy? I'm the black sheep. Uh, this guy, Bo Ballinger, uh, he was actually uh, Chris's cousin. Okay. But uh, don't he let did that a good deter job? you. He killed it. Yeah, he did really good, and he played. He's supposed to be. I'm unlikable, but he winds up being the biggest douche in the movie. Oh man! So yeah. yeah, he did really well. So you're you're like an unlikable underdog guy that's not wouldn't be likable uh, in most contexts. Yes, but somehow compared to uh, the situation, this other guy and your yeah. own and what happens, and I imagine, you'll see. I won't give away right, some your, stuff that your, he does. Your moral struggle. Yes. Yes. Yeah, for uh, the first time ever. <laughs> not even in real life or movies have I had a moral struggle ever. Finally. Yeah. Finally. And well, then uh, Scott Adsit, we had come in and play. Uh, um, uh, my sister's husband. And he's funny. He's all right. And uh, and, and he's, he's he's terrible to be around. I don't know if you know him. He's such a dick. <laughs> no, he's, no, he's the, the nicest, nicest guy. guy in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you uh, told me that Earl Morris produced it, the yes. documentarian. He's an odd guy. How did he get involved? Because uh, he knew Chris. Chris had done some documentary work for him before. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they hooked up, and Chris, he wanted to see it. And it does have a, a through line of... Um, you're, are you a baseball guy at all? No. I didn't know it, but I guess... Uh, so it takes place in Cleveland. Yeah. And I guess there's a famous Cleveland Indians game uh, in the 70s or 60s, maybe, uh, where it was 10-cent beer night. Uh-huh. And it turned into a crazy riot. Oh, I think I and know about so this. so yeah. I tell... I narrate that story uh, throughout, and it kind of intertwines with, the, with oh, wow. the story that I'm going through. Sounds like an interesting movie. It's cool, man. Well, I'm proud of you, man. I'm happy for you. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and it, let's uh, let's talk about when when does it open? December what? 4th? Uh, December 4th and 5th that weekend. It's uh, it's doing some midnight shows in some cities. When does it drop on iTunes and uh, everything else, I Netflix? I think almost right at, if not that same day, right it's after. wild how it all happens at the same time. Yeah. Just see the fucking movie. Right. Yeah. I would say seeing it in a theater. I think it would be fun. And it's doing some midnight showings in some cities. And uh, Does it have the potential to be like a Christmas cult movie? I don't know. All right. I You know, I don't like anything I do. I, all right. I, I, it was a bad question for you to pretend <laughs> yeah. like something I'd was love, going. <laughs> I, but I'm always the last guy to, fit, you know, to no. know. Unless it's stuff like other people's stuff where I've been involved, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Show, uh, yeah, right. Sarah Silverman, those I'm just, things. I'm over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're the main people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I how about I don't go? make this suck. How uh, was Bob and David? You guys have you seen ha- him? I just saw them the other day. I, I posted uh, a little thing with them uh, uh, the other day. But uh, they had a, it seemed like everyone had a good time. We did, man. We had a blast. And, you know, fingers crossed. I, I think it's. You know, I don't know how numbers work at Netflix and that kind of thing. Yeah, but, no one does. Yeah, <laughs> Netflix doesn't know. <laughs> they know. But uh, <laughs> hopefully they pick us up, and then we go back after Bob finishes uh, Better Call Saul again. Uh, he's, yeah. He's out there doing that right now, and then uh, I want to do more because uh, those are, I, you know you know how I, I've talked to you about how I feel about both those guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They help me out a lot. I mean, yeah. I, I owe everything really to them yeah. I mean, because- stand up and all that other stuff i was doing it before but that put that was it yeah and they're good still my favorite job working for those two dudes and was it good to see everybody it absolutely was and everyone's okay yeah man well there's none of the we're all grown-ups now i know there there was a little bit of weirdness but not like the old days sure no no pencils were thrown and no feet were stomped 
Was Dino there too? Yes. No shit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. He had. He has to be. Oh, that's crazy. Those guys yeah. love him, and so do I. I got to watch yeah. those fucking things. I got to watch your movie. I got to watch it. I got a lot of things to do. I'm trying to remember if Dino got on camera. I think he snuck on in one thing or two, but uh, he's behind the scenes through the whole thing. Like, that yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he wrote a thing with Scott Atz at that, uh, the cunt sketch. Oh, it was good? Uh, the yeah. cunt, we'll just call it that? <laughs> You'll know what I mean. <laughs> okay. Well, great, man. Good luck with it, Brian. Thanks, buddy. Brian Posehn, I, I wish him uh, the best this Christmas season. I'm very excited that he, he got that part. It sounds like it was fun. He sounds great. I love talking to him. Now we've got another Brian. This is the tale of two Brians today. Brian Kiley, as I said, we started together. We genuinely, I mean, we were really doing open mics together. And uh, I look like I've aged. He looks like he has not. This is actually a, a great conversation. It, it, I've always uh, loved Brian a lot. He's always been a, 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 a you know stand-up dude and a great stand-up comic, and it was great to have him in here. I'm full of the greats today. I'm full of the greats today. His new uh, his new novel, The Astounding Misadventures of Rory Collins, you can get anywhere, uh, wherever you get books. But right now, uh, we'll talk to uh, to novelist and Conan O'Brien writer and stand-up comedian Brian Kiley. Who's like what president biographies do you read? Well, I'm I I love like LBJ and I love Nixon. Oh really? I, partly because they're from my childhood, you know. But also they're such characters like Truman and Ike and even JFK or whatever. They're still kind of normal guys. Uh huh. Those guys, you're like, well, no one would do that. Right, do, right. They both do shit like in t- diff- totally different ways, but they both do things where you're like, no, no one acts like that. Right. And I just love the way they're such characters, you know. Who? Yeah. Who? Uh, LBJ and Nixon. Yeah. And they were they were on the other opposite sides. Opposite sides, I guess that's right. They were part of our. How old are you? I'm um, fifty three. I'm going to be fifty two. Well, I'll be fifty four in a month. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're two years older than me. Yeah. But we when we were kids, Nixon was everywhere. Everywhere. Cartoons. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, ne- I didn't. I I never found him. Uh, I I think I was fascinated with him when I was a kid. But I think it was a, kind of a morbid fascination. I don't f- remember finding him impressive. Oh no, no, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan. Although, but I'm. I am fascinated by him. I remember yeah. caricatures more than I remember the actual guy. Sure, sure. Like Mad Magazine and, and like just seeing the, the pictures of him with the big nose. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Tricky dick. So I always, in my mind, even when I was a little kid, he's like, you know, this guy's kind of slimy. Yeah. Well, there was that, there was a cartoon, it was like a cartoon show called like Wait Till Father Gets Home or something mm-hmm. like that. And the next door neighbor was Nixon. <laughs> really? Yes. And I remember seeing it as a kid and thinking, this is a really intellectual, smart show. And then I saw it when I was like in my 30s at the Museum of Television, and it was incredibly bad. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, the Museum of Television. Yeah. And that, so when yeah. you lived in New York, you, you made that. I would that go story. there. I would, yeah. I, I went there frequently. You yeah. did? Mm-hmm. Because, well, that's it. Well, that's the interesting thing. Like, you, you've been writing for Conan since almost the beginning, right? Yeah. I started six months in. So ninety four, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Well, yeah, it's ninety four. So that's 20, 20. March, March, the Ides of March in nineteen ninety four. So twenty two years, almost. Yeah, it, yeah, it'll be twenty two years in next March. That you've been a Conan writer. Yeah, mostly monologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll help out with the other stuff, but that's my main focus. Yeah, and the the thing is, we started together, yes. kind of. Right, right. 
We no, we we really. But, did. I mean, we've known each other whatever, almost thirty years or whatever. That's crazy. I know. I we, know. It's not like we went out to dinner or anything, but no. we've known each other. No, a long no, time. no. And we were always friendly. And we did of plenty course. of gigs together. Yeah, of course we were friendly. And softball and whatever. Yeah. Softball yeah. in Boston with the fellas. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, you know, waiting for Matt Graham to lose his shit. <laughs> <laughs> When's Matt Graham gonna ruin the game? <laughs> well, it's interesting because you had a career. I mean, we were both doing, We, I think I met you at open mics. Mm-hmm. I must have been in college. I think the first time I saw you was probably the first time I tried to do comedy, which was probably 19, the summer of 1984, maybe. Yeah. Is yeah. that about when you started? Yeah, that I started a little bit before that. And I remember one of your, I remember seeing you at Sam's. That was it, the basement. Yes. And you had this joke. I don't know if you're going to remember it. I probably will. But it was a joke about, you were talking about the Flemish artists. <laughs> and you said, "Where is Flem? <laughs> Do you remember that? No. It was. I remember. That, I always I'm, love jokes. And I not, love great not, jokes. I don't know if I'm proud of this one. I thought it was. I remember laughing at that, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that's a great joke." <laughs> but you know, you were always so aggravated. You were so comfortable on stage, though. I was so envious of that. I was a nervous wreck, and you were always very relaxed on stage from the very beginning. I was faking it. Well, you did a good job of faking you, it, though. You know, because yeah. I, I think that I was, a, I, I think I was terrified, and and when I get terrified, I actually relax in a weird way. Yes. When I get terrified, yes. I get this paralysis, and I'm like, ugh, and I sort of surrender to it. I, I'm, I was always so envious of that, and I didn't know you were like that until you and I were driving to a gig one time in Rhode Island. Oh no! And Which it, would we were right? It was like there was like a military thing or something. Do you remember there was like. It was, was it that one with the car in the middle of the room? No, that was in that was uh, I did that one uh, in uh, Connecticut. I think there was one a couple hours out. Yes, yes, and there was another one where it was near like a naval base or right. something, and they would come. Right, and I remember you were nervous, and I was driving with you, and, and it was like I remember being like. You're nervous? Like, I was always nervous. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I was always like, what are you worried about? You know? But and, I was probably opening for you. Well, it was it was you, me, and Cybelle. Cybelle! <laughs> yeah. Did he pass? He did. Uh, recently, he did. right? I did, like, a month or two ago. That's so yeah. He, he was, was great. He was great. What he, a character. I, unbelievable. No one would believe that guy. No, he's just always worked up and excited and yes. happy. <laughs> he would, and, you know, he would, like, run the marathon and then do a 45-minute set that night. Like, yeah, At like age sixty, like yeah. he was unbelievable. Oh, he's such a madman. He was. That, didn't he call himself that? Like the madman of Revere? Or yeah. Where, where the fuck was he from? Yeah, he was from Lynn. 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 Lynn maybe. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Newton. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so that's uh, that's not as provincial or no. weirdly regional. No, no. You, you're you're not from like uh, yeah, yeah. Because like the further out you get, the accent gets a little dis- well, difficult. My, it's mine's gotten a little better since I've left but yeah 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 when i hear it like old tapes it's like oh my god but like uh which part the 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 the, the rich part uh no i mean it was uh, we were like a we were in a, a little bit over our heads in a sense <laughs> <laughs> you know i think my dad got the house in like when i was like three or four yeah so I, I don't know. I think there were rich people near us. Right, but, right, you know, right. We, you guys we, were just hanging on. Yeah, yeah. Hanging on to the illusion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How many kids were in the family? Uh, five. So it was a big Irish Catholic kind yeah. of deal? Mm-hmm. I'm did... in the middle of five. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, you got older brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. Like brothers or sisters? Uh, I've got an older sister and a younger sister and an older brother and a younger brother. So I've got the complete set. And everybody gets along still? 
Pretty much. I mean, there's some weird baggage, but <laughs> we we can actually get together at a family event, and everyone goes, "Oh, everyone's fine." You know what I mean? It's everyone's not like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Folks, both folks still alive? Uh, no, my mom died when I was 22, and my dad died a couple of years ago. Oh, sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. So you got it. So it's got to be the siblings now. Yeah, it's all you yeah. got. Yeah. And would do all of them live in the Boston area still? Uh, just my younger sister. My older sister lives in San Diego. My uh, older brother lives in Fort Lauderdale, and my younger brother lives in Phoenix. Oh wow! Everyone's spread out, but a couple of them are kind of close. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always thought like when I when I used to see you, I my first thought was like, well, there's Kylie. How the fuck is he in such good shape? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I like I just pictured that you you did comedy and then it was pretty much the gym. That was probably that was how I pictured it. Yeah, I did do a lot of gym in though, especially in those days. Yeah, you're like fucking ripped all the time. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. It was like you and Brian Fraser. What are those guys doing? Well, I, I don't know what Fraser's deal, with, but you know, I. I went bald when I was 22, you know? I was like this freak, you know? So it's like I needed to do something, you know? Had to compensate? Oh, my God, absolutely. It was like, you know, I'd gone and do my act, be like, this guy's 22, you know what I mean? Like you hear murmuring in the crowd, you know? That's sad. Yeah. sad, bald guy. He's big, though. Be cool. (laughs) Don't fuck with him. I wouldn't make any jokes. <laughs> but what kind? What did you do in high school? Were you a jock in high school? No, you know what? Well, I mean, I I was on the baseball team, but I barely baseball, played. right? Yeah, I barely played. What, you you know? on, on purpose, or you just they no, didn't put you in? No, they just didn't put me. You know, it uh, was like that kind of thing. But you, you know? were a sports guy. I that was my obsession. Yeah, I love sports. Still, and, yeah, yeah, and like my heroes are sports guys and stuff like, like that. Like who? Uh, like Bobby Orr and Yaz and, and like Boston guys like that. Bobby Orr, the hockey player. Yeah. Yaz Strimsky, the baseball player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and are they, those are the big ones when you were growing up? Yeah. Did you get yeah. to meet them? I did get Yaz's autograph, but just like in a pile of kids kind of thing. You <laughs> pile know of I mean? kids holding balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind balls of thing. Balls hanging out. <laughs> There's a ball sign inside my ball. It was one of those? Yeah. Uh, oh. what, well, what was it about that? What was it about Yaz? Was he, I don't know anything about that because I don't have that part of my Yeah, soul. but you know, I have to say though, I was you were always a good softball player. I remember being surprised. I can gonna, pl- oh, right, yeah. You know, just because you weren't what the fucking guy. druggie does. Well, that's just it. You yeah. know, you, you were never the guy that you'd talk about the game when you'd no. go to the gig or whatever. You know what I mean? But you could play and I was, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like... Like Anthony Clark was good, and it was like, oh, I wouldn't. Have, you know what I mean? Like, like there are players that you didn't think, you know, right? You weren't expecting because they never talked about sports. Or well, whatever, that, well, I know? think that I'm physically, uh, you know, I have ability. Right, I right. can do shit. Right, and also we're talking comedian level. Do you know what I mean? But there were a couple of you guys that was, but you were the guy that would get up and just be like, I'm not going to get in front of that ball, <laughs> whatever that guy fucking hammers out here. Like you, you had a, you were able to, to to like hit it properly. Like you get up there and hit a ball, and like, oh, that's how. A, Guy had really hits. That <laughs> well, those, I, those were fun days, though. Didn't you know? have cleats? I think you had cleats. No, no, I didn't do Come that. On, I, no, yeah. I didn't do that. Right. No, no, I didn't want to do that. I projected that. Yeah, well, there you, were guys with cleats, but I was not a, one of the cleat kids guys. Well, that's a funny thing about like you, you know what people think about comedians and like in in a lot of the comics I talk to, like I think the only time we really talk about sports on this show in terms of us doing it was uh, Gary Shandling had a fairly famous basketball game. That people would play, you, you know, the, oh, the right, guys right, around so here. Sure, sure. But it, but always had this sort of air of kind of like you got to play in the Shandling game. Like it was sure. still a networking thing. But back then, when we were in Boston, we'd all meet at that fucking field. <laughs> yeah, there'd be different levels of hangovers going on. Oh yeah, there'd absolutely. be different levels. You know, some people were smoking weed, but it was like that was like nineteen eighty nine, maybe eighty eight. Yeah. yeah. 
probably yeah. 88 89 yeah. mm-hmm. and we'd all just go all this like all these gypsies and weirdos it, with, and it was fun it was fun and it was interesting and there was even some sort of culture clash in the sense that like there were certain comics that they worked the, the Knicks and they didn't work at catch but That's they right. yeah you know what I mean so yeah, it was they, kind of like I know who they are yeah yeah because like I was one of these for whatever reason and uh, you were as well um we could work both places. Yes. I and mean, it was sort of surprising that I could. It was like when I really think back on, on the type of comedy I was doing at that time for the type of audience <laughs> sure, that I was doing sure. it for, I was like, I must have had some balls I never knew existed. Because we'd go right. to those fucking one-nighters. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. And I'd be like, rah, rah, angry Jewish man. <laughs> and, the, and then you know, they'd take it somehow. I did all right. But I could work at Nick's. Yeah. Yeah. And I found if you had a joke that worked at Nick's, which was, you know, downtown, and then you had a joke that worked in Cambridge, which was very PC before there was PC. Right. Then you, to me, I, then you had something, you know? But you were always like, uh, like jokes. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like you're going to be like, you know, let's talk for a second. I know. I wish I'm, I, I, <laughs> that's true. I just had, I would go have my little jokes and then I'd go, that's all I got. But you were so diligent. So you're right. such a joke writer, which is completely different than the, than the way I work. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I don't think there's many guys that do it as specifically as you. Like, you know, you write jokes yeah yeah like yeah. and you do it for a living now but uh in terms of like having doing monologue jokes but but back then like well, let's get back to softball let's see sure, I, sure. I, I try and remember the game i remember i hit dave cross in the eye with a ball once and that was a bad day and we weren't even playing yet <laughs> oh you know, we were just warming we just, up and you just threw it yeah we we're just throwing it and he wasn't paying attention oh jeez. but know. it was like it used to be like it was john ennis oh me, yeah yeah you uh anthony clark sometimes mm-hmm. matt graham um, Dave Cross sometimes, Bob Wilson, Fred yeah. Wilson, yeah. the Wilson yeah. sure. brothers. Simply Fred, yeah. Yeah, Bob's past, yeah, R.I.P. Um, Tony V sometimes, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But you went in, let's see, so so we're doing open mics in 84, 85. Yeah, I graduated in college in 83. With what kind of degree? Uh, English major, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I started doing uh, open mics in college. What compelled you? You know, I, I wanted to be a comedy writer as a kid even like i really would, I, that's I, interesting not a stand-up necessarily well i i wanted to be a stand-up but i thought there was no way to do it do you know what i mean like this there's no like people don't really become like it's funny in those days you never heard about anybody who was a comedian there weren't any comedy clubs there wasn't that kind of thing when i was growing up yeah so as much as i thought about it i thought well, that's not practical. Yeah. So I thought, but I did know, I knew shows had comedy writers, you know, right. I knew sitcoms had writers and stuff, and I would watch the Dick Van Dyke show, and I was like, oh, I'd like to do that, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So I started writing jokes when I was like 13 or 14. And really? I, yeah. I had like these little note cards, and I would write my jokes and keep them in like a little, like, almost ba- like a little recipe. Thing. But like based on not watching stand-up, but by watching, by watching sitcoms primarily? I uh, mean, how did you know that people wrote jokes per se? Uh, that's a good question. I think, um, I guess I just knew comics t- did jokes, you know, and I would watch Roddy Dangerfield. Oh yeah, Roddy Dangerfield, like right? Yeah, you know, that's sort of the school that you come from. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, and I would listen. There was a show on when I was a kid. There was a uh, a show on from Brookline, Mass. This guy did it out of his house. This guy <laughs> Kenny Mayer did yeah. it out of his house, and he would a radio play, show a radio show. Yeah. And he would play comedy albums. He'd play like the whole side of an album. Right. And then he'd do his little commercials. Like he'd talk and 
any of his sponsors. Yeah. And it would play half a Bob Newhart album or half a Bill Cosby album or whatever. Oh, so that's where he got it. And huh? I would like listen, you know, I'd be, and I was supposed to be in bed asleep and I'd have my radio and I would be listening to these comedy. And it was once a week. It was like Sunday night or something. And that was when you were like 11 or 12 or something? I was probably like 15 or something then. So that's where it went in. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I I, I love that stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah of course. Yeah. I mean, it was so. Uh, it, what, it's such an amazing thing uh, when we were able to laugh properly. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Before we became all <laughs> cynical and weird. That's true. And have to like, like if it's, it doesn't make us laugh, we have to go like, ah, oh, good joke. That's good. <laughs> good tag. That's true. Good tag. <laughs> Oh boy! You know, my daughter gets so mad at me because I'll she'll I'll watch something with her and I never laugh. I just right. think, oh, that's fine. And she's that's why are you laughing? It's like, no, no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, you have to understand it's my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, it's true. It's like I just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you st- do, you ha- do you still have those note cards? I don't. I, I'm sure the jokes were terrible. You really? Know? I, yeah. I imagine that they they would be. Uh, like I wonder how you you don't remember any of them. Well, I do remember there was I remember seeing actually that guy Kenny Mayer had a column on the Boston Herald. Yeah, and there was a joke about this is in 1976, so I guess I was 15, and um, I was turning 15. I remember there was a joke about that Rich Little did about uh, Ronald Reagan being an actor, and. You know, and then Gerald Ford being a stuntman. Right. Was the joke. Yeah, yeah. And I had written that same joke. Oh, yeah? And I remember him quoting this in the paper, like, what a great joke. And I remember thinking, hey, I wrote that as a 14-year-old kid. That's kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it made yeah. me feel like, hey, I can, yeah, I don't know. It just made me feel right. like maybe I could do this or something. So you really put you know? stuff together like that. Yeah. It's a very yeah. specific, uh, like, I like I remember when I did a pilot for Comedy Central and we were going to do a monologue and we had, you know, come up with this... Um, this wheel of topics that I was going to spontaneously sure. write monologue jokes for because the the structure of a of a monologue joke or a one liner is you introduce one thing and then another thing and then you twist it you know you do a twist sure somehow, sure right? basically sure. kind of yeah there's a lot of that absolutely I mean there's so, sort of different formulas but that's definitely one but yeah but yeah. we had di- like all these different things on there and I and we'd spin it twice to get the two topics and I have to we pre wrote a bunch of them. sure sure of course. But uh, but there is definitely a, a a a method of writing jokes that eludes me completely. If my my jokes have to happen like the beats have to come as I'm talking, I can't write them down. Yeah, but you know what? You have that thing. I mean, you did Conan the old show more than anyone, right? It yeah, was like thirty five well, times or something. Yeah, I think I've done a total all in about fifty something. That's amazing. 53. And you would go and and it's you would have that. And some of it was a conversation, but some of it was just the illusion of a conversation. Right, you're of doing course, a bit, right? Because other people would do bits, and there'd be some great stand-ups that they would do panel, and all of a sudden they're talking about this TV commercial or something, right? And, it's, and it was so contrived that it just right, didn't. Right. It worked over there doing stand-up, right? But it didn't work on can't, the couch. Can't load it into conversation. Yeah, but you had that ability, and my, and my thing is, it's, they're just jokes, right. you know. I I I did 45 minutes. At, I I did this. I headlined this casino gig in Nevada. A, just a couple weeks ago. How I, was it? It was pretty good. Yeah. I did 135 jokes. Wow. That's a lot of jokes. That's crazy. It is. Would you have it a is. guy counting them? Uh, no, I just had to, you know, I had I had to go over all my stuff. It's like in LA, you do so many short sets. I'm like, I don't even know what my 45 minutes is. You know what I mean? Oh, I had to write everything out and, and it was that many jokes. That's kind of fascinating because if you think about people that work in that style, they, you, that must be what a, a, an hour set looks like. Yeah. I mean, in the, and how to string those together sounds like a chore to me. Well, it is. And it's hard to remember. <laughs> you know, if you're not doing it a lot. Uh, when I did my Comedy Central's 
especially half hour, you know, in 2006 or whatever, they have bullet points. They've got the teleprompter. Right. And I had 97 bullet points. And they're like, that's a record. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I wish I could have like three things, you know, just tell three stories and that's a half hour, you know? Right. But you know, like all those jokes you've done on stage before. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. It's not like you still have to, to pace them out. Right. But you have a very set sort of tone in the way you do jokes. Sure. It's slightly detached. I think if you didn't know you well at different points in your life, you'd think like, this guy seems a little crazy. <laughs> but, but not in a sort of like outward way. Like there's something going on in there. <laughs> This, this large, well-built, bald man with a kind of detached tone is sort of frightening. <laughs> like there were times where I remember, like I was like, "Wow, I wonder what his personal life is like." That guy. Well, yeah, my my, I, my stuff can get darker than people. No, definitely realize. Yeah, expect. yeah, yeah. But like to do a hundred and what thirty-five? You said, yeah. Like at least I fall back. Like I, when I look at a chunk of mine, that's like twelve minutes. It has. It's sort of a conversation yes. that makes sense, right? And, and leads into the next thing. Sure, of course. Like I can't imagine trying to fucking line up one hundred and thirty-five jo- clean jokes at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you're you pretty know, clean. I'm. I try to be TV clean. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Yeah, yeah. Who were the guys that when, when we were starting out up there that you, you liked working with and looked up to? Well, what happened was I, I was, you know, I, was at, I went to Boston College and I'm a sophomore college and they had a show, they had a comedy show at, at my co- school. Yeah. And the first two guys I didn't really care for, but Crimmins went on. And I thought, this guy's hilarious. Great jokes. And I went, he just had great jokes and he was, and he was just doing stand up then. He wasn't, I mean, he wasn't political at all. Mm-hmm. And he was just doing regular stand up, but really, really Early funny. On, yeah. And I went up to him and I was like, oh, you know, I want to be a comedy writer. I wrote the show. You know, I had, still had my jokes. I mean, yeah. I didn't have them with me, but I still right. had them at home, you know. You've been writing since 15? Yeah. 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 So I had all these jokes and he was running the Ding Ho. So he invited me to, to his club and I met with him. I brought my, I brought like 50 jokes that I typed That's up. for the end of the Ding Ho, no? About- yeah, this was probably like 81 or 82. Oh, so it was going strong. Yeah, yeah. And he, so he kind of critiqued my jokes or whatever. And he's like, well, you can't really make money in Boston- uh, writing, yeah, you have to perform, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, I could never do." It. Like it was too scary for yeah. me. So he's like, "Well, whenever you want to come to the dingo," so I would go to the dingo like once a month. He would let me in for free, and I would just sit at the bar. Underage, I was underage, yeah. yeah, and I would sit at the bar and watch the comic. And I had to take like two two subways and a bus, like like Inman Square was from like Newton from Newton. Yeah, it was just you know I had to take the green line to the red line, and then I had to take a bus to get Green-ton to Inman Square. Somerville, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but I would go to the shows a lot. And then I took a summer school class um, taught by Dennis Leary. Really? And it was long haired like, Dennis Leary when he had the braid. Uh, he didn't have the braid, but he, yeah, he was. And <laughs> it was, it was, you know, coming from Boston College, we, we you know, some of you teachers are Jesuits, you yeah. know, and then you come here and like the la- like someone would smoke pot in class or whatever, you know. Yeah, I was like, what <laughs> yeah. the, f-? you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just such a like. Where was he teaching that at the adult education? Like uh, at, at Emerson at, oh, the, Emerson, at their right. summer school thing. Or oh, okay, whatever. yeah. So, so you took a, a summer class in comedy writing. It was comedy writing, and they had us do stand up. In the class. In the class. And so I do the show, and then they were kind of like, oh, well, you should keep doing this or whatever. Because you did it in class. Because I did it in class. What was that like for you? Was it it a small class? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wasn't that scary? There's like six people, but the last class we could bring people in or whatever. So there was like, that probably were 20 people or something. Was it nerve-wracking? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, And, but it was exciting, you know? And then they were like, oh, you should continue with this or whatever. So... I went to the Ding Ho the next week and I signed up for the open mic and Crimmins was the host. So I so I did that and it went great. 
and Crimson gave me a great intro and all, gave me a good spot and all that stuff. And then the next week I went back, it was Lenny, and I'm on at 1 a.m. And it was just <laughs> horrible. Horrible. Just like totally tanked it. And it was, you know. And Lenny's like, good try, kid. <laughs> yeah, you know. And I had some friends that came to the first one. They were like, holy shit, that was amazing. Yeah. And then they came the next week, like, oh, Ooh, fuck. <laughs> this is the real, that, yeah, the reality absolutely, of it. You know. So that was the beginning. That was the beginning. The up and yeah. down. Yeah. You got yeah. both. But you were, you were hooked, I guess. I was, yeah. I mean, I, I really, yeah. It was so exciting. Back then, I was so filled with dread yes about going on because you know you wouldn't be able to go on every week and, you, and sometimes you'd wait weeks to do your five minutes sure. or whatever and like you know by the time you know you just spend all that time going like oh god i gotta do it oh yeah and then like like there was that one night where i just sat there all night and he forgot to put me on because he got shit faced yep. and you know i was sort of like I, I i had to say something but i was you know secretly relieved in a way oh that you know lenny one time the same thing happened to me he forgot to put me on yeah the show went and I was so like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Even though I'm here, I was totally felt that. But I remember he came up to me at That's the end. That's a weird thing, though. Is it? Go ahead. Oh, it's totally weird. The, uh, well, he came up to me at the end. He said, "List." oh, no, you know what it was? I went back the next week. Yeah. And the list was full. For some reason, they had capped it at yeah. certain people. Right. So he goes, why aren't you on the list? And I said, well, they said it was full. Fuck it. You got fucked last week. I'll put you on. You do your five fucking minutes. You get the fuck out of here. And what, it, whatever. Like, he yeah, just yeah. said this or whatever. Yeah. So the next morning. <laughs> nice I, to hear you cuss, Brian. Well, it's just funny. He just said this like like that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the next morning. And you get out of here like he had to add that part. And get the fuck out get of here. Get the fuck out of yeah. here. <laughs> so the next morning, my friend calls me. Yeah. And I didn't realize that my mother had picked up the other end. And he's like, well, what happened? He goes, why? I, and I just told him exactly what Lenny said. He said, Fuck it. You got fucked last week. Get the fuck on. Do your five minutes. Get the fuck out. I mean, that's how Lenny talked. Yeah. You know? So my mother's overhearing all this yeah. or whatever. And she's. So, <laughs> so my friend, she's like, What? She comes to me, What is this shit and funk out of you? <laughs> like she couldn't say fuck. Right. You right, know? right. But she was like appalled just yeah, to hear yeah. this. And I was like, I was quoting this other guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so you grew up in a house that was really kind of like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No yeah. cussing. Oh, you didn't hear it. Yeah, yeah. There no, was no, neither one of them, huh? No, I mean, my dad would... Driving once in a while, but... Right, right, But right. you never heard fucks. Like, right, you oh, know, yeah, fucks are rare. Yeah, in that, yeah. In your household. Yeah. Yeah, mine too, I guess. But that's... It's a funny thing, though, that... That we choose to do this thing that... In, and at the beginning... Like there's 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 no excitement about it. It's just a compulsion that yeah. needs to be that needs to be honored because like the idea that like the bigger relief would be like I didn't get on. <laughs> I know, and you're true. pissed about it. You have to act pissed about yes. it because you are. And party's pissed, but also you're so relieved, right? You know? But it's kind of weird, right? Sure. You think like God damn it, I was so ready. Yes, I'm gonna do it. But no, that's not it. You're like oh God, I hope the guy before me doesn't you know uh, you know kill too hard. Oh oh all that stuff. And I remember I would Lenny had this show on Wednesday nights. Yeah. And on Tuesday at noon, I would get a knot in my stomach for like a day and a half. Right. And one, I remember one time I'm in school and it had been a Monday holiday. So mm. I'm in school, I'm having lunch and I get the knot in my stomach and I thought, today's Monday. Yeah. And then it's like, oh no, no, it is too. Like my body oh, knew, yeah, knew to have the knot, you know what I mean? Even oh. though I was like off a day, you know? That's crazy. Yeah. And then did we do, um, what was your big break that finally got you working? Did you do the riot? Were you in the riots with no, me? No, you know what? I didn't do the riot. I think I was, I think I just, I, I just missed it or I wasn't around when the first one happened yeah. or something. Um, I, I, I who, for, who gave you the first gig? Was it Barry, Mike, or The Connection? Uh, there was this guy. Or Nick's. There was this guy uh, in, uh, somebody saw me at the Ding Ho. He had a yeah. show in, it was called Sydney's on Green Street. 
in Jamaica Plain. Oh. And it was this little dive and this guy did it. And it was it was almost like old sh- fashioned show business. Like he had a couple guys in the band behind yeah. him. And there's this club in JP with this probably 10 people there and he would go up and I just the only joke I remember he would say to one guy make sure you're, you're performing you're up here with him because otherwise he's playing by himself that was his joke <laughs> yeah and he must have said it three times three or four times <laughs> right and it didn't really work any of the times but yeah, it's yeah. like I remember thinking you know you really shouldn't do the same joke in the same set yeah f- like four times yeah yeah <laughs> but that I was he was supposed to give me 10 bucks and he gave me 15 like he was just trying to be this like nice older guy yeah. or whatever so that was my first real paid gig but then I would, the ding ho they would have me they'd have me come in on a Saturday and just do five right you know and they'd give me 10 bucks, uh, or what, 20 was, bucks. what was the structure of the show on Saturday was it four guys or three guys or? yeah it would be like four guys mm-hmm. and if those guys would be all be doing 25 minutes and then they'd have like a five minute guest spot right. for me and I remember maybe it was three guys but I remember my first one I come in I'm in the they they were doing shows in both rooms on Saturdays. And the acts were probably Barry and Lenny and who was around and Kevin Meany was around and Rogerson yes. and and um and uh was Steven DJ Wright Hazard. DJ Hazard. Yeah, Stephen I think he had kind of popped already by then. When De- uh, but that was back when DJ Hazard was just DJ Hanard. Yes, that's true. And he ha- had not become the pirate character. That <laughs> that's true. He would occasionally wear dark sunglasses on stage. Yeah. But he had no no facial hair. And no, he had all you his saw other people hair. develop their personas. And yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he played guitar through most of it. Oh yeah, he he would yeah. do stand up, but then he was would big crush. influence on Louis. Actually, seriously, really? yeah, I think really? Ron Lynch and DJ. You know, really? Yeah, I think Louie had copped to that. Oh, that's interesting. You can definitely see Ron that. Lynch and Louie. Yeah, yeah. Early Louie. Yeah. Like, if you really think about early Louie when it was just, you know, sound effects and weirdness. Yes. I mean, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I, that's interesting. Well, no, I DJ. think what he got from DJ was that largeness for no reason. Yes, that's true. I, I yeah. wouldn't have put that together. That's so interesting. Yeah. But I remember my first Ding Ho, do, do my five minutes. I do my five minutes. It goes fine. Blah, blah, blah. I'm in the back and I'm standing next to Bob Batchelor. Bob Batch. <laughs> yes, he was a great guy. So I'm standing next to him. He had. He, he used to close with the signs. He closed with the signs, which would kill. Right. So he comes from. He drove up from Kentucky. Yeah. And he had been up all night or whatever. He's, yeah. He's going to go on next. He has an epileptic seizure. No. Right next to me, collapsing and and you know he'd been up all night because up all night and he had epilepsy. So. I called, you know, they come and they get the ambulance and they put them on the, so they're like, well, you've got to go on to the next room and you've got to do 20 because he's not on the show. Clearly not happening. And I don't have 20. And I'm also just totally freaked out that this guy just had this, you know what I mean? Like I almost caught him when he felt like it was like that kind of thing. Like he's staying next to me and collapsed and they're like, all right, go next there. Yeah. So I went on and did. I did 15 or 12. I have no recollection of what I saw. I, I must have just been like in oh, shock. That's the baptism. Yes. That yeah. was it. What was your, what's your batch story? I've told it before. Oh, okay. We, he would just. Uh, <laughs> he, did he snap? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he was such a great guy too, but he would snap. But he had this killer bit with the signs. Well, that was the funny thing is like, it was the whole, the whole thrust of the story was that, uh, yeah, we drove to that gig, that one that was way down in like New Britain or somewhere. That one that was near another naval base in Connecticut. It was sure. like a Barry one night or yeah, think, yeah. You know, I like remember, a half I a car. Cross. Yeah, yeah. They, oh right, yeah. So you know, in the whole way down, he's like, I don't know how to fucking get on Letterman. You know, like why is everyone getting? You know, how do I? You know, like just a few <laughs> sure. pure bitter. So I go do my twenty five. Is right when I was starting out, and it was about all I had twenty five thirty. Sure. I did everything I had, and I go to the bathroom, and I come out and batches on stage, basically yelling at the audience the same thing he was saying in the car. <laughs> you don't think I want to be on Letterman? You know, like 
and it was bad. You know, it was just like an Easter sure. ten minutes in. It's a sure. nightmare, and there's nine people in the place. Oh. And you know, and in my recollection, there was someone in a wheelchair, and he's yelling. And and I never done this again. But I literally, I because the audience was so small, I said, "Hey, hey, 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 let's let's just let's just like take a take a breather." <laughs> like it was like I was a referee. Sure. sure. And I'm like, let's just you know, let's just chill out. And you know, and then Bob does, and everything calms down. He's like, "What am I going to do now?" And I'm like, "Do the signs, do the signs." <laughs> and the signs would kill. They would kill. Oh my god! There was a few guys that snapped. You don't see it anymore. It doesn't really happen anymore. But it was something we all knew about because it's not in the vernacular anymore. Because people, they don't really. You know, I don't know if it's because there were so many comics and there was more professionalism. But but seeing people snap when we were coming up, oh sure, not it was it happened. Oh yeah, yeah. Like and it was a beautiful, amazing thing. It, it was it was suddenly the show is ruined. Like the show is just <laughs> ruined. You know, and and there's always that thing of people that Jay Charbonneau. Oh, was a first sure. first top rate snapper. <laughs> but and it is that thing. I always picture people who are they've been hearing a lot about stand up comedy and there's comedy clubs opening right, and they right. haven't been and they go to the first show and they just, just see someone who can just it. lose their shit and yeah. It was so amazing. I'm it trying was. to think of something like Barry would do it a lot. Yeah. But he always it seemed like he had a reason. He he could snap though and get them back. Right. Which was uh, he which was miraculous. Yeah. He was one of the few people. Most people, once they snapped, that's it. Yeah, you know? it's over. But he could somehow, not always, but he could often win them back, which was incredible. Yeah. You know? And how how does, because um, Smigel's the original head writer, mm-hmm. and how, how, how do you get that job on the first year of Conan? Well, you know, I, it's, I had, um, you know, I always wanted to do Johnny Carson. So that was my whole thing was, and I was trying to. Did you uh, get on Carson? No. I got on. I got on Leno uh, like a year after Carson mm-hmm. left. So I did Leno twice. And I guess Conan saw me on one of those. Actually, well, I'll tell you. So so then uh, Louis working at Conan. Yeah. And Agne, Tom Agnes working at Conan. And Chuck Sklar is working at Conan. Boston guy. Yeah. So somebody gets canned. So they need another, somebody else to write his monologue. Yeah. So I just I just sent in stuff. And at the time, I, I used to do a lot of topical stuff, actually, because- you know, if you, especially you're going to do 45 minutes, I'd, you know, I would write jokes about the, the Olympics yeah. or the presidential election or right. whatever was going on. So I you ty- had the joke. I had the joke. So I just typed up like 50 jokes for my act and sent them in. And they were like, yeah, okay, you start tomorrow or whatever. Right. Yeah. And the weird thing is when I was a kid, you know, I grew up in Newton and I went to this Sunday school that was at this convent in, yeah. in Brookline. Yeah. And I was in Conan's brother's class. You knew him? Yeah. You remember him? And Conan was in my brother's class. Uh-huh. So, and then my brother ended up going to Harvard with Conan. So they're both in the same year. So I'm going to Ding Ho on Wednesdays yeah. in Cambridge. And I, my brother's at Harvard. And I would go and have dinner with him. And then I would go do the show at the Ding Ho. And that was like my every Wednesday. And was he friends with Conan? No, like they knew each other. And right. He, and Conan was writing for the Harvard Lampoon. Right. And he would sometimes go, oh, remember that guy, Conan? And he would give me like the Harvard Lampoons. And I'd read stuff that, humor things that Conan had in this thing. So I kind of That's was aware of him. Yeah. But was he that aware of you? Oh, no, no. He was. I mean, he knew who I was. Right. Um, but and was, he knew your brother. Yeah, and he knew my brothers. But, but he barely knew you know right. and, and i would have walked past him on the street like i wouldn't know what he looked like or anything like right that. but i kind of 
you know, when you know somebody growing up, but then you see their name on a SNL or you see their name on Simpsons, yeah. it's, it's kind of like they're in the major leagues. You kind of aware right. who they are. And you also, know? like, it, does it seem more possible for you? Or at that time, had you given up on your TV writing dream and you just saw yourself as stuck in stand-up? Well, I did I did see... I, I would kind of... I would still write, like, a spec script for, like, a Cheers episode or something like that. Oh, you like did that? that? I would try yeah. to do that kind of thing. And did you send them out or did you have representation? Or you no, just I had wrote, nothing. And just, they went nowhere. And, you know, it was, you know... And I'm sure they were bad. It's, uh, a, it's a hard, weird feeling that, like... Because I didn't really have those aspirations, you know, when I was doing stand-up. I just wanted to be a stand-up. Sure. But I, I have to assume that, you know, after what like uh like six seven years in the business and you're doing all those stand-up gigs to have that moment where you're like i guess this is it right sure i, I you know i it's funny i i i sort of naively thought things would work out i i'm not when i look back now okay. you know when i was you know i got married at 30 and my in-laws were totally cool with it or whatever you're just a stand-up i'm just a stand-up and now what'd she do your wife She's a does computer consulting, mm-hmm. and so she's got a good job, and she works was working for Price Waterhouse at the time, and she yeah. was making a good living. And I had my little meager income <laughs> going out know. working in nightclubs, absolutely. And just to think that it's like, really, I got married, and I had this. I was I had I don't know where I had the. She must have had, had the vote yeah. of confidence. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you guys stay together. And I think now it's like, what were you thinking? <laughs> you, you know, and what were your parents? <laughs> have thinking? you ever asked? Why them? are your parents okay with that? Well, they you they know? just want their kid to be happy. I guess so. Level. Yeah. But yeah. did you ever ask her that? Well, yeah, she's like, oh, they are, like, she's like, yeah, my parents always thought you were great. And where I I thought if it had been the other way around, like if my sister brought a comic home and yeah. whatever was getting married, my parents would be like, what the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't think they'd be on board. You right. Know? But you're a good guy. I, 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 you know. Solid. I guess that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. So you get the gig. Now, this is the thing that always fascinated me is that. I remember because I was doing the show by then mm-hmm. a couple times a year, and I saw you. I was happy to see you. I'm always happy to see you over there. And uh, and and then like you lived with Todd Barry. I did. Yeah. But in my mind was a decade. <laughs> it's it seemed like a decade. Well, you know, this is what happened. But it was like it wasn't. But you were never there. Like, uh, right. You know, you'd go to Todd's house. Like yeah, Brian's in that room. Yeah. Like down it. this hallway. It's like is he ever here? But like you like it was always sort of impressive to me. And I always wanted to ask you like, did you not think it was going to work out? Because by then you had a kid, right? Well, th- yeah. What happened? I, here's the thing. I yeah. the start the show and the show was very shaky. Right. And people don't remember how. You know, it just seemed like it was going to be this temporary thing. And I get this job and I said to my wife, well, I'll go do this for 13 you weeks. You own a house up there? Weeks. Yeah. Oh, in- So we had a house in, in, in Newton. Yeah. In, in Auburndale. We had like a little starter home. You yeah. Know? And it was like, well, I'll go do this for 13 weeks. Yeah. Put a little money aside and then, you know, maybe save a little bit of money or whatever. Do you whatever. have kids at that time? No. Uh-huh. So... And every day you'd be reading the paper about who's going to replace Conan. You know, I mean, literally you'd be reading the the New York Post, the right, Daily News, right. like, well, Conan's gone off, of course, because yeah. it's like, who's going to replace him? And it was like, oh, shit. And one time where I'm in the office with Agna, our assistant, uh, our accountant comes in. She's like, okay, you guys have two computers, a TV. He's like, oh, they take an inventory. We must be going off the air. They had to call a meeting of the show and go, no, they take inventory once a year. We're not going off the air. Like, that's how shaky it right. was, you know? So, and I, and I only had 13-week contracts at a time. Every 13 weeks, you'd have to wait and get the thing in the mail, like, okay, you've been picked up. Right. So, you didn't know if you're going to be canned or right. whatever. And my wife had my wife had this great job, but she was making twice as much as me. Right. So, people are like, well, you should move to New York. It's like, well, not, not really. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it yeah. seemed... So... 
it's more like I should stay home. And she, I don't know. Yeah. So, but it went on too long going back and forth. But they also what would you do? You you you'd come down on a Monday morning. I would come. Well, in the beginning, I'd come down on a Monday morning. Yeah. I'd take the Delta shuttle, and then I'd come back on a Friday night. And in those days, you could just get on the plane at six twenty-five and get on this, get there at six twenty-five and get on the six thirty plane. Right. You know? But then when I had a kid, they let me work from home like two days a week. Oh, really? One or two days a week. Yeah. So like you could stay like Friday through Tuesday. Yeah, I would. I would show up Tuesday morning, and then I would go home Thursday night. Uh-huh. And so it was, you know, or you know, depending. So and also we got like ten weeks off. So. Right. And then I would, then I was just home with my kid, you know. So you have two now. I have two, yeah. yeah. So it, it kind of went up, but for a while I was living with Todd, which yeah. was kind of hilarious. Yeah, and, I can't imagine that. Well, he. How did that happen? Um, I think I think maybe through Kozlowski. I don't remember. Somebody uh-huh. said, you know, Todd needs a roommate or something. I remember his first roommate actually vaguely. They knew each other from Florida, I think. And then he had that room down that weird... That, yes. And it was not a great apartment. No, no. But he had this little hallway, yeah. and there's this room there. It's like a bunk bed in there or something. Yes. It Platform was like, bed. It was, yeah, it was. And it was like it was like up on a... It was like this raised thing. Yeah, you had to kind yeah. of crouch under it. Yeah. <laughs> and like like you couldn't... if You know, you had to lie flat. Like you'd, you'd bump your head up. If you, could, you couldn't sit up. You couldn't sit up in it. Yeah. So... But I was there like three nights a week or four yeah. nights a week. And he was he was out till like two a.m. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So I'd come in, I'd do a set, and then I'd but I'd only do like the early show, an early show, and yeah. then I'd be in because I had to. One thing I learned was if I got in at one a.m., got a shitty night's sleep, and I had didn't get jokes on the next day. It's like what am I doing? You know, because I'm doing a set in front of eight people and whatever. Right, at so, Boston Comedy Club. Yeah, that kind of yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let me be in by you know, go to bed at eleven, do whatever. So I didn't see him that much. But I didn't have anything. I just had like this mattress on that the raised thing. And how many years did you do that? Well, I did that. Well, I guess I did that for a year or two. That was it. Well, yeah. And then I did. Then I roomed with somebody else for a while. Another comic. Uh, she was. A, it was a woman who did improv. Oh. And I didn't see her either. I mean, yeah. she was out doing. Yeah. You know. But I remember with Todd's place, I had nothing. Yeah. And at night, I would go in the bathroom, and I would. That was the only place I had the light. So I put the toilet seat down and I would just sit on top and I had the light from, you know what I mean? And I would just sit there and, and it's the kind of thing, I still do that like when my kids, we'd go to a hotel yeah. and my kids and my wife, they'd go to bed at nine o'clock. Yeah. Well, I can't watch TV or whatever. I just go in the bathroom, put the toilet seat down and read, you know, I, I've done that like a hundred times. So I would do that in Todd's room. So every once in a while, he'd come home yeah. and he'd knock on the door and I'd have to, I'm like, oh, sorry, because <laughs> he needed to use the bathroom right. and I'm in there reading. So finally my wife came and she's like, why didn't you just get a lamp and a? She just got me a lamp and a chair. It's like here, you can sit in your room. <laughs> That's so funny. As comics, just like these basic things are like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm so you can like, just go buy a lamp, get something for myself. Like yeah. I'm kind of like, oh fuck it, I'm fine. Right? Because you, know you came over here and you're like, it's a nice house. Because some comics, and I don't know, man, they just live in <laughs> no. these hovels. It's true though. We, yeah. We, like I don't. If it weren't for women in my life, I'd be living out of milk crates on a futon. Oh, I, uh, you know, all my clothes, uh, everything. It's yeah. like. I, yeah. Now with the clothes, yeah. I wouldn't have clothes if I didn't have a TV show. Like I just, the wardrobe sort of like, you want these shirts? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I have four shirts. I'm glad you got my style so nailed. I, I, I know. It's it's, it's kind of crazy. It's true. These books I've been carting around forever. Well, that's, and that's the thing. That's what she gets mad at. It's like, you know, I have all these books and it's like, 
you know, the Kindle, it's like it's like $15 for a Kurt Vonnegut book right. that I can get for a buck at a used bookstore. Why would I? You know what I mean? Oh, really? So it's like I love having that kind yeah, of stuff. Oh, I've got, I've so got books on the Yeah. I don't do the Kindle either, but I've, yeah. I've, I've done it on planes now. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, travel a lot, yeah. and I used to travel with two or three books. I wouldn't even read, yes. but I'm like, I'm going to get to this on the plane. I, I would do that all the time. And every once in a while, there's like a long layover, and you're like, good thing I brought these three books. You know? yeah, yeah. But most of the time, it's like, I don't have time to get to all this. No, yeah. you're just traveling with books, yeah. and they're heavy. <laughs> they're heavy. I know. So you had no experience in doing what you, you got this job to do. Yes. And what, what was the learning curve, really? I mean, is it just sort of like, here are the, you know, sit and write jokes. Do you know yes. the guy? Well, you know what? I, I I was fortunate in a couple of things in the sense that it didn't take me long. To, I got his voice almost right away only because we had similar sensibilities. Like, right. He's from this big Irish Catholic family. I'm from this big Irish Catholic family. And we did the map quest one time and it was f- exactly four miles from his house to my house. Uh-huh. So, but there was just in terms of sometimes somebody would write a joke that's just too dirty. Right. And I'd be like, oh, I... I and I'd feel uncomfortable del- del- delivering it, you know? And he'd be like, yeah, I can't do that. It's too graphic or whatever. Because oh, you would have to tell him all the jokes? You were the head monologue guy, basically? Well, no, not at that time. We would just we would just, we would would just, just give him the jokes. And oh. sometimes somebody would push for one that's like, that he, I could tell he felt uncomfortable. Right. And I felt, it's like, I would, t- do you know what I mean? So right, I, kinda, right. I didn't write jokes like that. Like, I kind of wrote jokes that were in his wheelhouse for the most part, right. you know? The only thing I had to do was, there would be like a wordplay joke that I would think is a clever joke. Yeah. And he hated that. And it right. was, I had to learn like, oh. He doesn't like wordplay. He doesn't like that wordplay. Yeah. So I kind of, and I got, and I stopped doing that for my act just because I got so used to not doing that. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? But that was something that I liked at the time and yeah. thought, oh, okay, well, this isn't, this is clever or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, it's corny. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, I I was able to kind of write for him pretty quickly. I, I used to love when I'd co-do the show because I'd be usually like the second guest. Sure, but it'd be funny like all you monologue guys would hover around the monitor to see if your jokes. Oh yeah, worked. Oh, well, that's just it. There are times <laughs> where tank. And I remember one time, you know, the, the monologue just tanked it one night. Yeah. So the next day he comes to my office. He's like, "How do you feel?" <laughs> when you send me out there with that shit, <laughs> and I said to him, I said, you know, in that in in the movie Rear Window, yeah. you know, Jimmy Stewart's got the two broken legs, and he's looking out the window, and he thinks that Raymond Burr has killed his wife. Yeah. So he sends his girlfriend Grace Kelly into his apartment to look around, and Raymond Burr comes home. Yeah. And he's watching, helpless. Yeah. yeah. And Raymond Burr starts manhandling her. And I was like. That's how I feel <laughs> <laughs> when the monologue is going. You know, you're just helplessly watching him. Did he laugh? No. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're just like, oh no, he's going down. You know? <laughs> and now, I mean, he's got he's gotten a, where he's able to learn to deal with. He it. He can save himself. Yeah, but at the t- you know, but in those days he re- it was. He looked so no- terrified at the beginning. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was- well, can you imagine doing? You're, you you have not, never done stand-up before, and it's on national television? Yeah. Like, like, my, you know, if my open mics were on TV or whatever, it's like- Oh, that's yeah, no, I, I definitely felt for him. Oh, God, you know. And were you a big Carson fan? You were? I was, yeah. Yeah. He was great, right? He was great. He, he was great. Yeah, you know? I, I, it's so funny to see who learned from him and who didn't necessarily, you know. Like, when you would go to the Museum of Broadcasting, mm-hmm. could, well, back when you had to do that, you get like these four-hour blocks, sure, where you'd have to, you know, and you have to sign up for something. They had yeah. to go find it somewhere, yeah, yeah, and they'd assign you a little cubicle, and you'd I, have to I wait. I loved for... it. What'd you go watch? I would watch. I would watch like the Jack Parr show. I, I would watch like Woody Allen doing stand-up on TV. It's exactly what I watched. Uh, and the Richard Jack Pryor. Pryor. There was yeah. some part about the Jack, 
Like there was some, like Jack Parr had this reputation as the guy. Yeah, sure. Who would just sort of shoot the shit. Mm-hmm. You know, when he, was it tonight, was it the Tonight Show that he hosted or was it another show? The Jack I, Parr I th- show, I think. Right, but I thought, well, I, th- I think it was the. It I was mean, the Tonight Show. I think early so, on. yeah. I don't know what they, I think But so, I remember yeah. going to watch Jack Parr. I remember going sure. to, I watched uh, Woody Allen's um, uh, NBC variety show. Oh, I didn't see that. I would have liked to with see Billy that. With Billy Graham on there. Oh, I didn't know about that. I yeah, there, he that. had Billy Graham out. Oh, my God. And Oh, you watched the Richard Pryor show? I, well, I watched Richard Pryor do stand-up on Jack Parr or something. And I watched, I would watch Woody Allen do stand-up on Jack Parr. You know, right. that was just to see them come out and do their sets as sort of unknown comics. Yes. Yeah. fascinating. You know, and I'd see, uh, you know, Bob Newhart. Yeah. You know, guys like that doing mostly stand up. Then I did. Did you watch? Him. Did you watch? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, did you watch that? Uh, I used to watch Jonathan Winters on Jack Park. Oh yeah, yeah. Christ, Unbelievable. It's too much, man. Yeah. Unbelievable. But uh, and even watching Jack Park's monologues, there'd be some jokes where you're like, we'd do that joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we'd do that joke today, and it, it's like you know it wouldn't be Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, but we'd do it about. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie or whoever, you right. know what I mean? It's like with same structure, would still do that joke. You I know? think the structure remains for yeah. better or for worse. Yeah. So okay, so you're there, and you finally do you ever move the family? I did. Yeah, yeah. We moved to, to New West York. Mm-hmm. We moved to West. Oh, you Chester. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she kept. A, she got her job. Well, she. Well, this is kind of what happened. I was going back and forth, and then, um, well, what, you know, we we started getting nominated for Emmys. Yeah. So one year we get nominated for an Emmy, and my wife's family lives out in, like her sister and her brothers were living in Southern California. Right. And her parents are going to be visiting. She said, well, why don't I go out a few days early with the kids, see my family, and then you come out on the weekends and we'll go to the Emmys. So we're going to go. So she makes all the arrangements and a week before my daughter gets a hernia. So she has to have hernia surgery. And then the doctor's like, you know, I, he can only take them out on that Tuesday for whatever reason. I, I can't remember if he was, I didn't take her, it was, my wife did, so I don't remember if it was at the hospital. He was either only at the hospital on Tuesdays or only in his office on Tuesdays. But anyway, he had to take it on a Tuesday. So my wife had to change the flight. So, you know, it's, it's, so it turns out it was 9-11. Yeah. So they were booked on that flight 11, on 9-11, but because of her hernia, they pushed it back a day. So we had to, you know, change our flight and whatever. So it was kind of, uh, you know... Wow. Yeah. So, so both my wife and I'm sorry, my both my kids and my wife were booked on that 9/11 flight. Oh my flight god. Flight 11. So, and I went to the airport that morning. I was flying out to to New York. I was going to go to take the Delta shuttle to fly to 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 Conan. And I get there, and they're like, "Oh, there's a plane crash. So there's a delay." So I'm just got the USA Today, and I'm at the Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm writing my, my jokes, jokes, you know? And then the other one crashes, and it was like, oh, shit. And then they close the airport and send us home. But I I didn't realize what was going on, yeah. you know? And I'm in the cab, and the guy is saying that the, the tower has come down. And I think, well, they don't mean the building. There must be a tower on top of the building. Like, it's right, like a radio right, right, tower yeah, on yeah. top of the building. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, talk about denial. It's yeah. like, you know? And I get home. And my wife, she's like, that was our flight. That was, you know, like when I left that morning, she's like, oh, it's too bad we all couldn't go to the airport together as planned, oh you know? Oh, God. So I know, I know. So it was really crazy. And you that's know? what drove you to move? Well, what happened was then it became- You were one of the few people that moved to New York. That's yeah, true. Yeah. But it, it became hard to, I, I couldn't just get to the airport and get on the flight. You know, it became right, like a practical. giant hassle. Yeah. And then, 
she was unhappy with her job. So it was like, once she quit her job, it's like, well, what are we doing? Yeah. You know? So she moved to New York and then we lived in Westchester for several years. Right. And my kids loved it there, actually. And then uh, and then we moved out when Conan moved out. So yeah. you, there was a, so you're, you're like uh, Conan's, basically you're the, you've probably been there the longest. This one guy was from the very beginning. Who? Uh, this guy named Michael Gordon. He's uh, not a monologue guy though. Right. And he and I share an office. And uh, veterans, yeah, yeah. But you've been through Dino. And, oh yeah, 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 and every all the guys oh, that was, came through. This. Oh yeah, and it's unbelievable. Who are some of the people? Like Odenkirk well, was you there. Know, Oden, Bob Odenkirk was there. Although he was working, he was mostly living in L.A. Yeah, with send and stuff. Oh, but Dino was in town, right? Dino was in town. Oh yeah, it and must have been crazy times. Dino was crazy, and he was so he's so funny. But but just, he was there at the beginning with you. He was right? there at the beginning. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Louis, Louis, and you know Smigel, and and those, you know, it was. But the sketch guys would be there till two in the morning or whatever, you know. Yeah, um, it's hard to make that ridiculous shit perfect. Yeah, yeah, and especially we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? We were kind of finding. So our there way. was there. There's is there always sort of like a uh, not a wall, but like you know the monologue guys or the monologue guys yeah. and the sketch there guys. Is a, yeah, there always has kind of been that. And you yeah. guys just sit there hammering out jokes and occasionally poke around and go like. Can you tag this? Yeah. Here's a setup. <laughs> yeah. Do you do that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And there's also, there's, and it's like, does this work? Or it's like, I'd say it like this or that kind of thing, yeah. you know? But like we would do, they started having us go do shows four days a week and give us one day to, which was a break. And then we would work on year 2000s or, or yeah. other stuff or sketches. Stuff that stuff. you could feed jokes into. Yeah. That yeah. were established. Desk yes. pieces. Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wrote a a, a a real joke recently about getting. I got a sonogram of my heart. Mm -hmm. You know, to see. Yeah, you know, yeah I got yeah. a son, and I'm and I'm proud to say it's a girl. <laughs> great. Thank I love you. it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So, you, is your health okay? You yeah, look yeah, great. Yeah, good, good, I'm, good. I'm okay. Yeah, good, good. Uh, cholesterol's a little high, but uh, it's genetic. Well, I've been following I think. with the show. So, oh, I know well, what's thank been you. Going I on. appreciate your yeah. concern. So, let's talk about the transition and the panic of. Uh, so you know, you get the Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be writing for you know what Carson oh, yeah, used yeah. to host. Yeah, that must have been like amazing. Well, it, it was. It was weird in that there was this. You know, it's 2004, and they call a meeting in the show, and Conan said, "I just got off the phone with NBC. Whatever, I'm going to be hosting the Tonight Show. I'm going to take over the Tonight Show in 2009. <laughs> so here it is, this five year, and it's a little <laughs> bit like someone saying, five years from now, <laughs> on." May 31st, I'm going to yeah. come to your house and punch you in the face, yeah. you know? And you're like, okay. We I'll got, put it in the calendar. We got this thing that's going to, you know what I mean? And you're kind of working towards that. Yeah. You know, so it was just, it was crazy how long we were waiting for this thing, you know? You must have put it in the back of your brain, though. I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and my son really wanted to stay in New York. And How old is he now? He, he just turned 20. He's a sophomore in college. Wow. Yeah. And he... You know, in our little town, we were a town of 5,000 people. He knew all the kids. It was, yeah. you know. How old was he then? So he was. He was 13. Oh, so that's a tough time. Yeah. It's a tough time to move, yeah. you know. Uh, and where my daughter went to school with a lot of mean girls, she was kind of like, okay, Great. let's get on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So, and it was just like, it was just tough where it was a tough transition for him. And then she embraced LA right away. What, what part of town you live in? Uh, Studio City. Oh, okay, that's good. Yeah. And that's where you started right away. You got a house right out of the gate? Yeah, we did. And we thought, you know, we thought we were going to be working on The Tonight Show for 20 years or right. whatever, you know? And it's like, it's like people like, the traffic is bad, make sure you get someplace close to work and right. it's all that kind of stuff. So, um, 
you know, little did we know in seven months it would be, it would be out of there. You know, what was it like when he started writing on the on the Tonight Show and everybody was excited? It, what, how many weeks was it before you were like, oh, we're fucked? Well, I have to say that it was tremendous pressure, and and even though we, you know, when I first started at Conan, he did like four jokes in the monologue. Yeah. And you'd get two jokes on, and be like, hmm, "Yeah, doing all right," you yeah. know. And then he slowly got a little, started ramping it up a little bit, but he never did more than say seven or eight at the, the old, what, the old at show. At the old yeah. show. So, the, but the new show, the Tonight Show, has this long tradition of having a long monologue. So he'd want to do like thirteen to fifteen jokes. Right. So you went in all day, and you never looked up, and you just wrote. You know, you're writing fifty or sixty jokes a day. Yeah. And I had a knot in my stomach. Every day. Like, like back in the old days. Yeah. Yeah. I really went home. And I, you know, in New York, if we hadn't a good day, he's picked a bunch of jokes. I'd give my dad a call, see how he's doing or whatever. He was right. in Florida or whatever. Where this, you know, it's, plus it's the East Coast. Like I'd get home. I'd, I'd write all day. There's no t- time to t- call him any any day. We never yeah. had a good day. Right. You know, we never yeah. had an easy day. We could relax. And I'd get home at 738. It's like, well, I can't call him. You know, he's been in bed for two hours. Right. You know? But it was just... I was like a dish rag at the end of every day. Yeah. It, was, it was so much pressure and so much stress. So even though we took a hit financially and we're not as, you know, as relevant a show now or whatever because we're not on the network, but personally, it's a lot less stress. It's actually a lot more enjoyable. Night. And and I think the show is much more fun than the, than it's not. Oh, definitely. Fun, but like know? how like all the way through the stress was happening and then when you actually got taken off the air... Well, it must have been devastating for oh, everybody. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we were all crushed. And, and you know, I, I remember about two weeks after we got kicked out. Yeah. Or he left, whatever. I guess, I mean, he basically said he didn't want to do the 1205 show. And so he so he didn't really, he didn't get fired. He, he told you first? Um, did, he, did he let you guys know? yeah. Yeah, the decisions he that was he making. did, and he decided he's like, you know what, I don't want to be treated like this, so I'm I'm, I'm out of here, which I, I understand. So, but it was suddenly it's like you know I moved my family across the country. My wife wasn't working. Uh, we bought a house. We put our kids in these two private schools, and now we're fucked. You yeah. Know? And I remember there was about two weeks later there was an earthquake, and it was at like three in the morning. Oh no. And I'm wide awake, like. I probably started at four in the morning, but at three in the morning, I'm wide awake. Yeah. So I'm sitting there just lying in bed like, what am I going to do? Right. And then this earthquake happens. And the next day, people are like, oh, that earthquake woke me up or whatever. And I felt like, oh, no. I'm <laughs> I'm wide awake waiting for it, you know? And I'm, I'm living in an yeah. earthquake. <laughs> yeah. And I do remember when the thing, when it first got the news that this hat was, we were getting pushed off the air or whatever. I think I was just in shock for yeah, like a week. I, right. I, people were crying and people, and I had no reaction whatsoever. And then my wife's birthday is a week later. and We go out to dinner with this other couple and they're talking and they start talking about it. And all of a sudden it just hit me. Yeah. And I don't think I said a word for an hour and a half. Like we're just having dinner and all of a sudden I'm like, oh fuck. We're not on the air <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're all talking, whatever. And I'm just like in my own world, like it's over. Um, it's over. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh. oh. But it was it was reported that you know Conan like covered everybody for a little while. Well, he he did, although he didn't. That the writers weren't part of that because we kind of had our own deals, right? So I still had I was still getting paid for for NBC for a few, you know for a few weeks after that, right? And I had taken this writing class in the fall, and I would write 
I wrote what I thought was a short story. Right. And then the teacher's like, well, that's not a short story. That's the first chapter of a novel. And I yeah. was like, oh, it is? So the next week, I'd bring in the next chapter. But I didn't know where it was going. You know? Right. So when this happened, I was like, you know what? I'm going to work on my book. I, I needed to do something. And we yeah. have the book. We have the book. Yeah. The thanks. book has happened. Yeah. The book the, happened. The, the Astounding Misadventures of Rory Collins yeah, started at the bottom. You were at the bottom. I was at the bottom. Yeah. So that actually helped me through that period. Because, this book. Yeah. It really, because I, I didn't want to sit and be unshaven and sit in sweatpants all day. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. So I got up. Regressed to comic status. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I got up. I showered every day. I shaved. And then I would go write for like three or four hours. And just having, I think I need structure and having that something to do carried me through that, you know? And I imagine that that writing something like this book is, uh, it was new to you. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And I love to read and I love, but it was so liberating to actually have characters and have a story and say fuck yeah. <laughs> and you know do stuff you and know also whatever. that that exciting sense of discovery yes. of writing a book like Absolutely. To, to sort of like see like i do have an imagination yeah it's yeah. a narrative one yeah so that was really what's it about exactly it's about this young guy who has he sort of has this crazy mother he's got yeah. this sort of insane childhood and he's very passive and he he's in college. He loses his virginity with this woman, this pretty yeah. woman. And then her roommate is in the bathroom crying because it's like, oh, everyone always wants to sleep with her and not me because she's not a child. So he ends up having sex with the other one too, yeah. whatever. Which actually, this happened to a friend of mine. Oh, it did? Yeah. <laughs> so that story always stuck in my head. Yeah. And then suddenly that woman started bringing her, her lowly friends to him. To, to lose their virginity. And he was like this passive guy who's just sort of, and all of a sudden, he's having sex with like the dregs yeah. of the, you know? Yeah. And, and then it just leads, like he, he's, his passiveness sort of gets him in trouble and, and, right. Yeah. And that's sort of the story, I guess. And does it yeah. end well? Uh, I don't want to give away the ending. Yeah. But it's actually much, it's pretty dark. Yeah. Um, Finally, you know, the I, real Kylie comes true, out. You know, you go in a room by yourself, and it's all like it's super dark, and it's yeah. sort of, and, you, and you come out like, wow, yeah. <laughs> what did I think? <laughs> I had no idea that was inside. Yeah, boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> did you finish the book in the interim between between the shows? I did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had to rewrite it when I was. But that's sort of that. interesting that this was, you know, your 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 way of managing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You didn't absolutely. go out and look for other TV jobs. No. No, and I did. I did do some stand up, but I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't because you know I did. How qu- how quickly after the um, the NBC uh, show going away was Conan starting to talk about the negotiations for a show with the writers? Um, that's a good question. I you know we got we were off in January, and then I think we came back in September, and then we so it must have been like November. at least a, was probably pretty quickly after that you were informed that maybe there was going to be something. Yeah. He, I mean, he had told me that he would put me on, you know, he would hire me in his new thing, but right. we didn't know if he hadn't, was getting a new thing. Right. So there was about a six month period of like, hmm. And he wrote the book. Yeah. It's amazing how things that you might not have ever gotten to. That's true. Happen yeah, in the darkest true. times. That's why this podcast happened. Really? Sure. Yeah, I had nothing going on. I'd just been divorced twice. I was broke. And, you know, this was born out of that, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Was the podcast your idea? 
Yeah, we, yeah. we, you know, I just, we'd lost a job uh, at Air America again. We were doing a oh, streaming yeah. video show and me and my producer were like, let's try this thing. Let's do it. Let's just commit to a couple of days. That's and, great. Yeah, but it was definitely the darkest point of my oh, life. Oh, yeah. yeah. Horrible. Yeah. I had no idea what what my future was because I didn't prepare. Sure. I'm not a writer, TV writer. Oh, sure. Well, you just, it's true. It's But it's funny though, when you read biographies of famous people, you see people and you think, oh, wait, that that Arvid, you know, that famous artist was really starving and he was fu- right. whatever, you know. Right. The starving artist thing's real. Yeah. It, it, like, it may not yeah. be literally not being able to eat. Right. But certainly right. not with many prospects. Yeah. And no yeah. real choices in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. So you get the, so the new show starts and uh, it must have been very exciting to have the freedom and have the support of the network. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's. And plus, you know, it's weird. We can actually swear sometimes. It's it's just looser. Like, we're also, it, we're kind of just doing the show for our fans as opposed to trying to win over middle America or older people right, or right, whatever, right. all these things yeah, we're yeah. trying to do on The Tonight Show, you know? And the audience is holding pretty well? He, You know, he has a real lo- loyal following. And also, we have a lot of people watching, you know, on their phones sure. or on the computer the yeah. next day, that kind of stuff, you know? And are you going to work today? I am, yeah. Yeah. What time you got to be there? Well, I told him I'll be a little late because I'm doing Marin. <laughs> <They, laughs> oh, we, we, we don't have a show today, so that's... Right. And he, yeah. let, he let it slide? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sweeney's taking his kid to college, so it's kind of worked out perfectly. Oh, Sweeney's yeah. been there a long time too now. Yeah. Because I've known, like, I knew... Well, I didn't know Smigel, but, you know, John Groff had his first writing job for me. Oh, oh, that's... Well, on Comedy Central? Yeah. And was you and Cinderella were doing it, right? That was and, his first writing And job. Cinderella was on the show with him. Yeah, right? he was my uh, yeah. my sidekick, yeah. kind of. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of funny, but Groff went on to be the head writer of Conan. Yeah, now he's- But now he's busy, right? Now he's running that uh, uh, blackish. blackish. Yeah, yeah. I did. I had I had breakfast with him, like brunch with him like a couple months ago, but he I, he is super busy, yeah. And yeah. the book is out, right? Yeah. yeah the Astounding Misadventures of Rory Collins. Brian Kiley, great talking to you. Thanks, buddy. That was great. It was great seeing Brian. Great talking to him. A lot of stuff in there. You go to WTFPod.com for all your merch. You want to buy some posters or things WTF related for Christmas presents. Go there and do it. Get on the mailing list. I'll write you an email every week. I'm so tired. I hope it didn't read. I hope you didn't hear the tiredness. I have to go back to work now and and work on my show. Uh, I'm not going to play guitar today because I have to run. But, uh, But I will do this. Boomer lives!